0: Welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to bring you a new point of support as you navigate your NICU journey. Today is a Good Day is here to be a part of your conversations, whether your baby was born prematurely, has special needs, or if your family is grieving a loss. The voices you will hear on the Today is a Good Day podcast are personal stories from people who have been there. Please don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening app. The world of the NICU can feel overwhelming and isolating. It can be difficult to stay in the moment and be present if your baby's born prematurely or full term with complications. How can you embrace the NICU experience to be the best that you can be for your baby? And how do you find the strength to simply look at that next step rather than the next several years and all of the what-ifs? On this episode, we welcome Dr. Juliet Marciano, certified parent coach, a retired pediatrician, and mother of four young adults, several with extra needs. She'll share her strategies on letting go of what we expected and embracing what is, learning to live in the present moment, and nurturing your child's gifts. Welcome, Juliette. Happy to have you here today. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about your personal experience. Tell us about the Parent Coaching Institute and why you've chosen this line of work to help other families.
1: Sure. So um, the topic of letting go of the life that you expected hits very close to me, both personally and professionally. I, from a very early age, I loved children. I loved science. I had a mother who was a pediatrician. I knew many female physicians. And I thought, what a great way to tie these loves together by becoming a pediatrician. So from a very early age, I had two dreams, be a mom and be a pediatrician. And I achieved both those dreams. And I, had a very, I was in a very busy group practice. I had four kids. And then some of my kids started to have challenges. And I was having trouble finding the answers to help them with their challenges, but also to help me with parenting these kids with challenges and their siblings. And the more I looked for the right answers, the more I realized this was going to take more than I could give in a busy pediatric practice, juggling that and juggling parenting. So I left one dream to really give myself fully to the other dream. I left my practice of pediatrics. I made it my mission to find the answers that I needed for myself and my family I went to conferences, lectures, read books. This was before the internet was fully blossoming, Mm -hmm. so you really had to look for (laughs) stuff, Um, track down experts, and I found the things that would help me and help my family to thrive both as individuals and as a family. And when my kids grew up and I saw how great things were going, I thought, I need to share this with other people. What I started to do was, you know, word of mouth got out and that people could call me for help with parenting issues. Um, And then as my kids got older and were more settled, I thought, let me do this in a way that I can really reach more people. And I didn't want to go back to pediatrics and do it that way because I didn't want to just give people information. I wanted to help them to make change. And that's a different Aspect So that's where I found the Parent Coaching Institute, which was an intensive year-long graduate-level program where I was trained by one of the pioneers in parent coaching because when I was going through my challenges, there was no such thing as a parent coach. You either went to your pediatrician, you went to maybe a therapist, whether you or your child needed therapy or not, or you went to a behavioral specialist. But You didn't really find somebody who could tell you with, help you with all the intricacies of parenting in a family. Um, So I found this institute. It was incredible. And it really helped me. We didn't talk about just parenting issues, we talked about things like leadership, um, connection, um, how to teach people for transformative change. And how to be a catalyst for their change, how to support them through that, how to advocate for them. So that was a whole different experience of how I could take my knowledge and
0: help people with that. And really focusing so, on the parents. Right? Absolutely.
1: The pa- it's all about the parents, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it really so it really is helping the parents figure out them and enjoying this parenting experience in a way that many of them were not enjoying it before. Um so that's how I became the parent coach. And then a lot of my coaching incorporates, it's an interesting mix that I do. I incorporate a lot of science and neuroscience and the concept of neuroplasticity and the way you can change your brain by thinking. And I um, incorporate conscious parenting with the work of Dr. Shafali Sabari. Um, and that really talks about how parents bring to their parenting experience, their own feelings of how they were raised society's ideas of what parenting should be what success should be Um, and it talks about really the seeing your child as an individual on their own path which is so important Mm -hmm. to me Um, so that's what I do as a parent coach as a parent with the NICU experience I have four children my first pregnancy was twins they were almost term. And they had a very short NICU experience in that one was smaller than the other and they needed some oxygen support. And that was kind of an easy thing for me because I had experience with that. I knew this was pretty typical for, you know, babies that were just very close to term, but not term. And they went home and they were fine. My next pregnancy, I had a plan. (laughs) I was going to go in, have my repeat C-section. The baby was going to do fine, of course. Um, stay with me and go home in two days, which was kind of quick at that time, but I really wanted to be home. And that went great. And then my last pregnancy was when my plan just went to the wayside. Which happens. I had the same plan, right? I thought, go in, easy, no problem, repeat C-section. We scheduled the date. I thought, I'll stay two days, go home. And the baby was born and within 45 minutes had severe respiratory distress. And the next thing I knew, we were on a path that was um, harrowing in that as a pediatric resident there's a few things you know you don't want to have to deal with and she had one of those things so it was one of those things it's very serious it's hard to treat full-term babies can get it and they can have a very bad outcome outcome so for me i was like okay here we go this is the this is the thing And it's very hard not to go to those really horrible places in your mind. Mm -hmm. And the other part that was challenging is I have half my family who knows medicine, so they know this is rough, and half my family who knows nothing. And so they're like, she's going to be okay, right? Everything's going to be fine. Meanwhile, she's on a ventilator, tubes all over, you know, um, sick as you can be. and. I thought, like, am I supposed to, like, comfort them? Should I sugarcoat it? I mean, it's like, this is really serious, but I'm confident, you know, things are going to turn out okay. Um, And that is, as it turned out, which can sometimes happen, as you know from your experience with NICU babies, she was sick as could be for eight days. And then on the eighth day, something flipped, and she was like, okay, we're going to get her off the ventilator. And tomorrow she's going home. I'm like, wait a minute, you know. Wow,
0: big change. And
1: so— She went home and she's been fine. And ironically enough, you know, one of my kids has chronic illness that we've been dealing with forever. It is not that child. It's Mm -hmm. a different child. So it's, you know, again, life, you can make all the plans that you want. It doesn't go that way. And the sooner that you realize that you're really just at the mercy of the universe, you know, the better off you're going to be. So that's kind of how I ended up as a parent coach and also with my NICU experience, both dealing with the unexpected.
0: Well I'm so excited to get into this more with you just looking at strategies to support families and to look at life as what it is in this moment and so many of us as NICU parents we navigate those difficult waters of the stay in the NICU where there are a lot of uncertainties there are hills and valleys it is a roller coaster ride as so many talk about but then also when you graduate the NICU It doesn't change all of a sudden for Mm -hmm. all families. For us, our next chapter was early intervention. And then from there, we've had our surviving 23-weeker twin daughter in and out of physical therapy over the years and working with her in school. So I think parents have to take each of these chapters and kind of figure out how they get through them. But what I want to talk with you about first is really that NICU experience mm-hmm. and when a family welcomes a new baby and that baby is admitted to the NICU and many families aren't familiar with the NICU they aren't expecting a NICU stay necessarily mm-hmm. or they're hoping they won't have a lengthy NICU stay what advice do you give those families considering all of the uncertainties that go along with a NICU experience right.
1: well you know As you know from your experience, what happens in the NICU is like a world apart. Most people have never seen babies that small, that gestational age, or a full-term baby that's not the healthy baby you're used to. I mean, it's hard to see a baby splayed out, literally, Mm -hmm. with tubes and things and eye patches. And, you know, it's jarring. Um, And I think then for parents, when you're absolutely your most vulnerable, you want answers. You want to know how is this going to go? What's going to happen? what you know, And you don't know the answers. I mean, it, it, doctors can give you an idea, but we all know kids who have beaten the odds or who have had a surprise bad outcome that nobody predicted. The NICU is very challenging because you can be there for months. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it is a roller coaster. And it I know like you say today's a good day. Take it one day at a time. My philosophy is take it one moment at a time mm-hmm. because that's how those babies change. They're fine one moment and the next moment they're not. Sure. But, but but then they might be or something happens and the doctor says, OK, now this is the path we're on and we'll know in three weeks. Are you kidding me? <laughs> three weeks is a long time to know an answer to something mm-hmm. or we'll know in 12 hours. And so I think for parents. You really do have to stay in the moment. And for me, I'm a very big proponent of mindfulness and meditation. I did not discover it till much later in life, but it has served me well in so many ways. And in mindfulness, you really just look at the moment and you take that moment without judgment. It is what it is. And here you are. And the meditation component, I know a lot of people say I could never meditate. You know, I can't do that. I can't sit still. And my feeling now is there are so many opportunities available to get free information about meditation and giving it a try. And even mm-hmm. if you do two, three, five, ten minutes a day, give yourself a couple weeks. Give yourself a week. Who knows? Three days. Just try it and see that concept of training your brain or your mind to focus on something, say your breath. And then when it, that focus changes, which it will... Notice it without judgment and say, oh, now I'm thinking about, you know, the other kids at home. Bring it back to the breath. And just to train that and develop that skill of noticing when your attention shifts and bringing it back to the present moment. How does that serve you in the NICU? Well, when you're in the NICU sitting over your very sick baby and you start thinking, should I have done this? Should I have done that? Should I not have done this? Was it that trip we took? Was it this? You can let that go. That doesn't help. That's the past. There's no changing. Notice it. Bring it back to the present moment. When you get that lab test or that ultrasound result or something, and you, what does this mean? Does this mean problems in school? Does this mean my child will never walk or talk? It? No. You don't need to go to the future. Notice that and bring it back to the present moment. And then you can be in the present moment and enjoy the present moment. And the good thing about the present moment is if it's not something that you seem to be enjoying in another moment, there'll be another one coming by. So good moments you really want to savor, and the ones that are not so enjoyable for you know that they're going to go, and there'll be another one after that. And I think that is so important, again, because a parent in the NICU and a parent with special needs or extra needs knows something that other parents haven't yet realized, and that's that we're all – that parent. We're all one lab test, one premature baby, one biopsy, one infection, one accident away from being a parent of a child with special needs or extra needs. We know that vulnerability. And the sooner we accept that and say, okay, this isn't what I expected, but this is the experience I'm having in this moment, the better off we're going to be. Because as you know, those moments continue throughout life. We all think we have a plan. That plan's always up to change, you know? So that the is sooner true. we realize that, the better. So I do think the mindfulness component, meditation, if you can do it, is great. I think journaling is important. And I know you include a journal in, in the bags that you give families. Um, journaling is great because it lets you get your thoughts out and on paper, but also because if something keeps coming up in your in your mind, write it down. And then when it comes up again, you can say, you know what, I already wrote that down. I need I don't need to think about that again. Because we do have this habit of going over and over and over the same thoughts, even
0: though they don't serve us. Well, and that was what I was wondering, some real practical tips for families. For us, it was journaling. Mm -hmm. I felt like we could clear out our mind a bit by writing down all the questions that we had for the doctors and the nurses in the middle of the night. We'd wake up and do that. Or our lists of who we wanted to write thank you notes to for people that were being so generous to our family at the time. And I do think as a NICU family, it is really hard not to look ahead. I mean, I have vivid memories. Our daughter, Claire, our surviving twin had grades three and four brain bleeds. We were told she may not walk, talk, function later in life. We didn't know what her future looked like and it was very hard to stay in that moment and i actually wish i had known about mindfulness sure, and meditation so. sooner and and not i think you made a good point that it's not necessarily an extended time but even taking those breaths those big deep breaths at very stressful mm. moments can be so helpful. And I find myself doing that now through work, through difficult. situations. when the girls start fighting, our daughters mm-hmm. start arguing at home or those type of things. You just kind of take a minute and take a big, deep breath to help clear out your system. Yeah, it really
1: grounds you and mm-hmm. shifts you. Um, you know, the thing about the worrying about the future, too, of course, no good comes out of that. So the future is is your imagination. And, you know, we talk about letting go of the idea we had of what parenting would be, what our experience and birth, you know, birth experience would be newborn period. That's all what we imagined. Yeah, you know, it was it was never guaranteed. It was it's an imagination. My feeling with the future is when you imagine that future, it, two things can happen and you're worried about it. Two things can happen. One is that thing never happens. That is most of the time you wasted that energy, you wasted that time and you lost those present moments mm-hmm. worrying about the future. The other thing is if that thing does happen, you're so exhausted by the time it happens that you're like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted now. And I have this thing, this experience I need to get through with my family. And I've already been up at night worrying for weeks at a time, waiting for a test to, you know, or a biopsy to come back, or I'm already drained because I've taken this to all these horrible outcomes already. And now I have to figure out what am I going to do to, to see where we are going to end up. So it doesn't serve you. And I, you know, With mindfulness, you want to stay in the present moment. But my feeling is if you're going to imagine a future, imagine a great one. Mm -hmm. And because that can happen. I mean, look at what happened in your instance. It happens all the time. And even if your future didn't end up as great as it did, very rarely does it end up as dismal as you thought. Because Mm -hmm. between here and that future are all these steps where you adjust and you learn and you grow. And um, So most kids that leave the NICU – even that don't have a great outcome, their future is so much better than what their parents imagined staring down at that little baby. Mm -hmm. And all that comes at a great cost. I mean, it comes at a mental cost, an emotional cost, a physical cost. Let's be honest. There's stress hormones that are released that affect you and affect your health. It comes at a bonding cost. So many parents are afraid to bond with their children um, because they don't know what's going to happen. And wow, what a missed opportunity because No matter what period of time you have your child, that's your parenting experience and that's their life experience. And you don't want to waste it, you Mm -hmm. know, worrying about something that may never happen or a future that may never come. So you know, I do think that's important to stay in the present moment. I do think the journaling really does help. And there's people who are more journal-y than others. But again, even if it's to get out the shopping list, so you're not up Mm -hmm. at night saying, oh, I need to get this. I need to get this. Who's going to take this one to school? Who's going to do that? So I think those things, two two things do help people, um, parents in the NICU. I think the other thing that's really important is um, learning how to ask for and get help. When I talk to parents about getting help. A lot of times they'll say, you know, I never was able to do that. Nobody was able to help me out. And my feeling with that is either you're asking the wrong people or you're asking for the wrong kind of help. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of women are used to being the helpers and the servers and the doers, and it is a shift for them. And sometimes it is because they maybe deep down have a feeling like they're, they might be above that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't ask for help. I give help. So they need to let that thing go. Um, a lot of times they were never trained how to ask for help. From a very early age, they're the ones doing and taking care
0: of things, so they need to learn how to ask for help. And what do you recommend they ask for help with? I mean, what do you? What do they start with? So whatever
1: they need. So what you know what, when I work with parents, any parents, the first coaching call we go over the strengths of every member of the family and the family as a whole. We go over the resources available to them, and we go over what's working and. We, um, you know, what is what's going smoothly in their life, because that's what we want to build on. A lot of people and programs look at what's not working or what deficiencies or deficits or whatever. My coaching is more a strength-based, positive focused coaching. So we look at things like, do you need someone to cook meals? Okay. Can the neighbor cook meals and leave them on the porch? And you don't necessarily okay, forget you know, coronavirus, but you have a baby in the NICU, you're going back and forth. You don't necessarily want to be entertaining people in your house or seeing people all the time. So can somebody make your meals? Can you figure out who's going to take your three-year-old to preschool if you need to be at the hospital? Who can help with, is there a teenager in the neighborhood that can help with the afternoons or, you know, just doing stuff to keep your kids occupied? Because a lot of times you have other kids at home. When my daughter was in the NICU and I had three kids at home, I left the NICU every day at dinner time. I'd go have dinner with my kids, do the bedtime routine to give them some stability, and then head back and room in at the hospital. Was that hard for me? Yes. Mm -hmm. But I I couldn't imagine what they were going through thinking mom went to have a baby and she didn't come back, you know, and Mm -hmm. there's their sister that they can't really see who's got tubes and everything. So um, finding a way to ask for help and getting that help is important. And then These are no order, but obviously self-care and making self-care a priority. And again, self-care can be those two minutes in the car before you go into the house where you take a deep breath or, um, you know, basic things. If you have to eat, eat. If you're thirsty, drink. If you have to, if you're tired, take a nap. If you have to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. I mean, those are things most parents put to the wayside, but they matter, you know, uh, I remember once when I was practicing as a pediatrician and I had one, we had flexible hours. So one day was like 10 to 830 at night and that was a busy day. And so I started the day with my kids, took them to school, then went to the office, did all my office stuff, 830, finished my patients, probably about nine. I was coming in. I would hear the kids upstairs getting ready for bed. And it was so hard for me because really all I wanted to do after I got them to bed was have something to eat and sit down for a minute. Mm hmm. And I those bedtimes were not great for me. You know what I mean? Like I I had a different agenda. They wanted to see me after a long day. I was like, I need you guys to go to bed. I'm beat. I'm tired. I'm hungry, whatever. I made one shift. I said, when I come home, I'm going to stop in the kitchen for 10 minutes. I'm going to have a snack and I'm going to get myself together. And just those 10 minutes, mm-hmm. I then went upstairs. I was like, great read the books, did the whole bedtime routine. I was not in a hurry. I was not starving. I wasn't stressed out. It was actually an enjoyable experience.
0: And so for parents, that's an easy thing that they can do if they have that mindset. And and how do you help them to get that mindset? Because I know in talking with the families we do of having our personal experience of going through the NICU, I remember my mother had stayed with us for a long time. And she would say, you need to stay here to heal. You have been to the NICU a lot today. It is time for you to rest for right now. And I was so, looking back, I'm so grateful that she did that for me. But I had I had someone who was helping me to do that. How do you help families, help parents know that they do need to make their self-care a priority? How do you help moms know it's okay to do that?
1: Yeah, so parents are not used to putting themselves first. They've been taught that that's selfish or, you know, it's not right. Um it's sort of funny what if you go to my website or my Facebook page there is you know I offer everybody this free gift with the, which is an essential guide to self-care when you can't leave your home. I came up with that when my kids were younger because there were plenty of days we couldn't leave the house. There was just too much going on, someone wasn't feeling well, whatever. And so I came up with this and it's like over 50 ways to have self-care when you can't leave the home. Now of course with the coronavirus that's come in very handy because those are things you can do without leaving your chair without leaving your room without leaving the yard so i need a copy of that I, I will send you a copy <laughs> of that um so and and in that we talk about self care so it is like you know it is a cliche but it is like in the airplane when they tell you when those masks drop down you must put on your mask first to before your childs because you can't help anybody if you are you know incapacitated And that's the same with self-care. You really can't take care of your family in an efficient or effective manner if you don't take care of yourself. That's what happened to me with that 10-minute break in the kitchen. I couldn't be the mom putting the kids to bed in a loving, patient, connected way. I was the mom who was starving, who was, you know, trying to figure out, like, did I even eat today? Or, you know, why are you guys doing this? They hadn't seen me all day. They didn't care that I was hungry, you know, so... It's that. It's really realizing if you want to take good care of your family, you have to take good care of yourself. And the other thing that is key is I'm a big fan of this is you need to put your self-care on a schedule and make it an appointment just like every other appointment, because so often that gets shoved to the wayside. And if you have your calendar and from nine, I don't even care if it's nine to nine oh five, you're going to sit in a chair and take some deep breaths and relax. Do that and make it a priority because we tend, parents tend to put ourselves last and it doesn't serve our kids well. It doesn't really help us take care of them. And to be perfectly honest, it's not a good example for them. We don't want our kids to learn that you just keep going, going, going until you're totally burnt out and depleted. Mm -hmm. You really want them to learn how to take care of themselves. And some kids that have chronic illnesses, they need to take care of themselves. They need to stop what they're doing to take their nebulizer treatment or their inhaler. They need, you know, if they have diabetes, they need to stop and check their blood sugar and see if they need to eat something or not. And we're giving them a horrible message if we teach them that, Taking care of yourself isn't that important and and you're not worthy of self-care. I mean, hello, you're a person. Take care of yourself, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's working with that and teaching parents that that parent or not, every person deserves to take care of themselves and to make it a priority.
0: And you were talking about families with children with extra needs or special needs. And I know we talked a little bit about the NICU, but what you work with families on really goes from NICU to full-term birth through childhood and, and beyond. And adulthood. And I mean, adulthood, to be honest right, with right. It, yes. Self-care, right, what we were just okay. talking about. But how do you, when you have families who have children with extra needs or special needs, how do you help them to recognize and really nurture their child's gifts and what they're able to do?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, of course, we call them kids with special needs and extra needs. So already it looks like they're missing something or lacking something. A lot of times when kids get to be, well, even earlier, say earlier intervention or school age, the focus is on really where their, I'll say for lack of a better word, deficiencies are, where Mm -hmm. they're not measuring up, where they're behind, where they're lagging. And parents can sometimes get in this mindset of just focusing on that. I mean, I've seen parents where they get an evaluation for school services and they're in tears saying, look at all these horrible things they're saying about my child. But they're not saying horrible things about your child. They're saying these are the areas where there needs to be work or you need support or you need accommodations. And because of that, we're going to focus on that and give you that. But that's not who your child is. So when we can look at a child and look at all of them, And notice them and validate those things. That's really important. And again, going back, the first coaching session is tell me about your child's strengths. Because you may have, and, and everybody's strengths, but you may have a child who gets in trouble in school or is not doing well academically or, you know, bothers, you know, whatever is going on. And then when you really look at their strengths, it's like he has a great sense of humor. He's always willing to help me with chores. You know, I love how gentle he is with his baby sister. You know, those are important things. They tend to get lost in the shuffle. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, too, a lot of parents go into parenting with a pretty clear view of who their child is going to be, which is so sad because that poor kid shows up with this burden of living up to whatever feeling you had, whether it's, you know, the— Parent who thinks the kid's going to play sports with them, the parent who thinks they're going to go to the theater with them, you know, the parent who thinks you're going to take over the family business whether you want to or not, Um, and it's really about appreciating that every child is an individual. They each have their strengths and weaknesses. They have their own dreams. They have their own desires, and respecting that, and that comes in with the conscious parenting, where you really see these kids as the individuals that they are, and you help them discover what they're good at and what they enjoy and what their gifts are. And you nurture those gifts.
0: How and, do you, Oh, I'm ahead. so sorry. Wait, ahead. But how do you help parents get over that hurdle of what their expectations are and what is, if their expectations are my child's going to play sports or my child's going to be a famous singer or all of those things. How do you help them just live in that moment of right. Celebrating, who their child is. Right. And that's hard for a lot of parents.
1: And it's really about them willing to open themselves up to what that really means and to be, um, like, open to accepting. You know, a lot of parents have a lot of trouble accepting their kids for who they are for all different reasons, which is so unfortunate. And, you know, one of my big... My tagline is coaching toward connection. It's all about connection. And my feeling is that we're all on this journey. We each have our own journey, our own path to sound a little woo woo, but we are. And you know, with our kids, we're here to accompany them on their journey. We're here to support them and teach them and guide them. And they teach us and they guide us and they help us learn about ourselves in ways we may never have discovered if we didn't become parents. But we have to be open to accepting them as individuals and embracing who they are and helping them learn who they are. And I've seen it going back, you know, over 30 years as a pediatrician. I remember, you know, we've all seen a baby's being born. And the first comment is something, you know, oh, look at those hands. She's, you know, he's going to be a great golfer or, you know, oh, I can't wait. I, I had a mom who was a professional tennis player and the baby was born. And the first thing she said is, I can't wait to play tennis with her. And I thought, oh, man, <laughs> you know, like this is a newborn like you just have no idea and I laugh because in my family I love the movies and I love the theater and my kids do not (laughs) and I had these ideas of what I was going to do with them and it didn't work out that way but what I did do is I found the things that they liked and I got to spend time Mm -hmm. with them I mean I have one of my kids who's now a software developer and a computer programmer and he loved video games growing up and I would take him they have these um concerts where the orchestra plays music from video games, which is actually very beautiful if you ever heard some of the music, and they'll show scenes from the video games. So I would take him to these concerts by the orchestra playing video game music, and we'd see the snippets of the video games. Well, that was my way of getting to share like a live musical experience with my son who was not going to go to any of my concerts or do what I wanted to do. Um, And it's the same with, you know, if, if you have somebody who likes sports and you don't like sports, you might find something that you can share and do with them. And share that experience with them.
0: And how did that make you feel having to kind of let that go with your own children that they didn't want to go to the plays or the musicals? And how would you get through that?
1: Well, the funny thing is, so I'm a person who doesn't mind doing that alone. So I'm okay (laughs) with that. But I can see how parents might be a little bit more upset thinking, well, then who's going to go with me? Who, who, you know, like they've already had a plan that this was going to happen and who's going to go with me. Um, so for me, it was easier in that way. But again, with parents, it's like if you want to do something with your kids, it's not always going to be your thing. So I've spent more time watching <laughs> sports that I didn't want to see, you know, video games that I wasn't that into. I've, you know, I have to say for some of the, my kids, they've opened me up to things I would have never experienced on my own that I actually love, including like, you know, Japanese anime m- movies that I went to with my son. And we made a thing of it, um, different things with my daughters and my, my other son. We would go to baseball games and things like that that I would not have necessarily done on my own. But for me, the most important thing was the connection and being with them and spending time with them and, again, nurturing their interests and their gifts and what they wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. it's worked out fine for me. But I think for parents, you need to be flexible. You need to be open. And you need to step back and say, what do I really want out of this experience? Is it that I want to play tennis with her? Or do I want to spend time with her in connection, doing something enjoyable? And that's a different
0: conversation. And it really sounds like stepping out of your own box of your own expectations and saying, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to do something that maybe you're not as interested in, Mm -hmm. but you never know where that's going to take you. I do want to go back to our conversation on the NICU. And I think it relates to all that we've been talking about, but letting go, right? Mm -hmm. Letting go of what those expectations are for your child when they start to grow or what you thought they might play or sing or otherwise. But also that ties back to the NICU as well. And Letting go, talking about it and trying to be in the moment. I I still remember looking back on our own personal NICU journey and I was standing there with one of the neonatologists. We were about halfway through our three and a half month stay in the NICU and our daughter was diagnosed with bilateral brain bleeds that were significant and we didn't know what her future looked like. And I remember looking at the neonatologist saying, what is she going to be able to mm-hmm. do? And it brings tears to my eyes when Mm -hmm. I talk about it. But he looked at me and he said, well, she's going to be the best Claire that she can be, Martha. Mm -hmm. And that statement is one that I share with so many other families because I feel like that was a sense of letting go of what my fears were, of what my expectations were, of what I thought the future was going to look like, and just trying to be in that moment to say, Claire's going to be the best Claire that she can be, and we're going to give her all the opportunities and be the best advocate that we can be for her to be successful, mm-hmm. right? Whatever successful looks like. exactly. Uh, but what other tips do you have for families who are feeling that overload of emotions and don't know where to go and don't know where to turn? How do you help them let go?
1: So there's a, f- a few
0: things. One is if you can help them
1: understand that really standing over any baby that's newborn, we have no idea what their what their journey is going to be. We just don't. And I always look at it, and it, it may sound cliche, but our lives, they're like a book. And you don't know how the book is going to end on page six. And I think that myself sure. with—I've been through some really challenging times with my kids, and um, I would never have imagined where I am today when I was in the midst of those things. It just didn't seem possible. And so— We can't know how it's going to end for any of us. We just don't know. So if we can embrace that and say, look, we're on this adventure called life, and we don't know where it's going to go, and we don't know when it's going to end. I mean, you look at a baby in the NICU, and if you're lucky, they might go 90 years before you know how that story is going to end. But you don't know. Mm -hmm. None of us do. So it's just really buying into that. And again, the things that you learn as a NICU parent, Are going to serve you so well as a parent. And the things that you learn in the NICU, other parents are going to have to learn at some point or Mm -hmm. another. Most parents go through some challenge with their kids, whatever that is. Some think they get out unscathed, but a lot of them have stuff as the kids get older because parenting never ends. Um, And so I think it's just recognizing that we don't know where this is going to go. I mean, the whole interesting thing about mindfulness is you look at things without judgment. So what looked like a bad thing to you in that moment might end up being a really great thing. You just don't you don't know it. You know, um, the child who can't pursue one interest because of an injury shifts gears and then becomes not even successful, but loves something else that they get steered towards something, you know, like for me. I would not have necessarily explored these things with my kids, but because they didn't want to do what I wanted to do, I explored these other things, and I learned new things and had new interests and and, and enjoyed those times. So I think you learn that in the NICU if you can just say we're here for this ride together— it's not easy. I mean, that's not easy. And it's not easy also when you hear of other people like, oh, I had the easiest labor and I went in and the baby popped out and I went home and it's been wonderful. That's hard. But again, your journey is not their journey. You know, like you are on your own path. um, And and that's important to
0: know. So throughout all of your years as a pediatrician, as a parent coach, can you share with us just a story, of course, without sharing the family's names and, and all of that, but just share with us A story of a family that was helped by your coaching or something that sticks out in your mind. So,
1: you know, I think rather than tell one, the funny thing with telling the stories is everybody thinks it's them, but it's not because there's certain things that I hear so commonly, you know, but it really is about helping parents to step back, have a different perspective. A lot of what I do is really getting the parent out of the midst of it and stepping back and understanding the perspectives of everybody in the family, because a lot of times parents Don't realize that. You know, if you are a parent of a child with special needs or extra needs, often you have no clue what their siblings are going through. That's a big point for me to really help the parents support the siblings Um, because it's tough. You know, I was actually interviewed a few months ago on this same topic, and it was really about when we were growing up, if you had a child with special needs or extra needs, you were not allowed to say anything because if you said anything about your experience was which was challenging, it came off as disloyal or talking bad about the family or you're not grateful that you don't have the challenges this person has. And it's really not that at all. It's like this experience is hard for me because of these reasons. And I want to share them with you, my parent, (laughs) you know, like who am I going to talk to? Mm -hmm. And also, as parents of kids with special needs and extra needs, sometimes we feel like we can't talk to anybody. They don't understand what we're going through. And our kids have that same feeling. So a lot of times parents, kids will come to parents with something and the parent will be like, I don't want to hear that. That's not nice. You know, but really all you need to say is, I, I get it. This is hard for you. I understand. I'm here to help you. I'm here to support you through this. You know, it, it's hard to experience what you're experiencing. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to offer any solutions. You don't have to talk negatively about somebody. You just have to support somebody. And a lot of times with parents, what I hear from them in that respect too is I never thought of it that way before. I always thought when they talked about their brother that I was, that was disloyal, you know, that I was supposed to shut that down, where really all they wanted to say was, I'm having a tough time. I love this brother but he doesn't treat me nice all the time because he's going through this challenge or this challenge. And, and that's important. So really helping parents see the perspective of all the members of the family and support them. And again, you don't have to solve all the problems, but you do have to support your kids through these things. And you want them to see you as a supportive ally, helping them through the challenges of their lives. Um, So that that's a really big concept of what I do is really help parents see Different perspectives. And then, of course, always accepting your child for who they are. Mm-hmm. Because I can't think of anything worse for for a person than to feel like who they are is not okay. I, I mean, that, you know, and I've talked to enough adults in their 40s, 50s, and 60s that feel that way, that they never measured up, that they never felt accepted that they never felt loved, that they they never felt worthy. I mean, that's a big thing you hear now, but you hear it now because people are talking about it. Mm -hmm. And so for kids to just know, whatever I am, I'm okay, and my parents love me and they accept me. And that's a big, big
0: thing. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Sure. And when you look at the families that you've been working with, I mean, what is that one biggest piece of advice that you give to them?
1: I think... There's no one biggest piece, but really <laughs> A couple of pieces it's like, of yeah, advice. I mean, it's sort of like we are on this journey. We each have our own journey and we don't know where we're gonna end up. And we don't know what effect each step of the path so has. And just to accept it, and accept doesn't mean like, oh, I'm resigned to it. It means really accept this is what's happening at this moment in my life. Where do I go from here? And I do think um for most parents who are really struggling today in this moment, that their lives are going to end up so much better than they imagine right now today. Mm -hmm. And if they can just um, hold on to that, I I think that that's important. And I will say one other thing, because I know you tell a story about meeting a child who had been a preemie. Mm -hmm. and And again, I do when when I do my coaching, I do bring in a lot of brain science and things like that. So what happens is our brain does not like uncertainty. It doesn't like uncertainty. So it fills in the gaps. And we also have this thing called a negative bias. So we tend to focus on the negative that through life that protects us and it helps us notice. You know, if you have thousands of meals that are delicious, you don't remember, but the one meal that makes you sick, you remember everything about it. And sometimes even thinking about that food or seeing it or smelling it makes you sick again. That's your body protecting you.
0: This sounds familiar, so, uh, Julia. D- this d- sounds familiar. <laughs> <Right>. So,
1: <laughs> so you take the the um, the desire to have certainty, and you take the your natural inclination to focus on the negative. And so, when there's uncertainty and you have something negative to attach, you plug that right in, and you're like, "Oh, I know how this is going to end. It's going to end badly." So you take a situation like what happened to you where you met that NICU graduate or what you do now where you bring NICU graduates into the hospital and you say, no, no, don't fill in that uncertainty with that negative thing. Fill that uncertainty in with this positive thing, because this is what also can happen. And if you do that enough times and you plant those reference points in your brain of a good outcome, a positive future, or just not a negative future... When your brain has that uncertainty and says, I don't like being uncertain. Let me fill in this gap. It's like, oh, yeah, I have all these things of things turning out great. Let me fill the gap in with those. And again, it goes back to imagining the future. If you're going to imagine your future, imagine a great one, because you're probably going to have that. Life usually turns out better than you expected. And I say that as somebody who works with parents of kids with significant special needs and extra needs, their lives even turned out better than Mm -hmm. they expected and uh, it's funny because I just I made a post on my Facebook page at the end of last year looking towards the new you know 2020 and it really was about how I never imagined that this could be my future I had um, these four kids I was facing challenges with them looking for answers really struggling no one could help me out And I have this life that I could never have Mm -hmm. imagined then. And that's the message I want to give to parents. Be in the present moment. Don't start worrying about the future and filling in those gaps with all these horrible endings. And just this is your journey with your kids and enjoy or embrace every moment. You don't know how many you're going to get. And I guarantee you, most of us, no matter how many moments we get, we're
0: never satisfied. Mm -hmm. We always want more. I love what you said about filling in the gap with those positive thoughts. And I never really thought about it that way. But in bringing up what we do with families of, of helping to foster that connection, letting them meet other NICU graduates who have defied the odds. But I remember when Claire was Uh, diagnosed with her bilateral brain bleeds, I did a lot of research online of what that could look Mm -hmm. like. Yeah. And none of it was guaranteed. And it was a lot of there were a lot of difficult stories that I was reading. And I have a vivid memory of one night just closing that computer Mm -hmm. down. And I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. Because those stories are not Claire's story. Right. And moving forward, we Had met Sam, who I talk about frequently, Mm -hmm. and that's who you're referring to, but he was a three-year-old, 23-weeker, had a similar prognosis to Claire, not, his brain bleeds weren't quite as difficult as Claire's, but he was sitting there playing on his mom's iPhone at a pizza lunch. Sam was our hope and our inspiration, Mm -hmm. and that space that you talk about was filled with Sam because he helped us get through where we said Sam was successful, Claire can be successful. Mm But it takes a long time before you start to see all of your hard work and all that you're putting in to help your children be the best that they can be. But it's just keeping that faith to keep on going. Yeah, for sure. And
1: and whatever, you know, whether you want to call it God or the universe or spirit or whatever, it is faith in that we're whatever you believe or don't believe we're having some experience. And with our kids, we're having it with them. Right that's it. You know, just continuing to work hard. We don't know where it's going to end. I've seen so many I've seen parents worry about things that in retrospect, they wish those things had happened because they never had the opportunity for that to get to that time. You know what I mean? And so it's hard. And again, with our kids and with ourselves, you know, one thing we've learned through this pandemic, life is uncertain. It's always changing. I remember in March when we first went into quarantine and one of my kids said to me, what do you think is going to happen in July? We had a big family vacation. And I said, honey, I don't know what's going to happen in July, but today is March. You know, it was March 15th or something. And I said, I am not going to spend March 15th worrying about July Mm -hmm. because it's not going to change it. It's not going to do anything. And maybe July is going to be fine july wasn't fine but it was okay you know Mm -hmm. it was different than what we had expected it wasn't our norm but it was okay but i would not have known that in march and and i didn't say to him you know get ready for the worst or we you know that's not going to happen it was like i don't know and i to be honest even with this like going back to school we're not going to know until the time comes and when the time comes in a day, that could change. You know. Right. So it's that thing of accepting, like, we just don't know. We're going to take it one moment at a time, and we're going to be okay with whatever that moment is. And again, if we have kids, we're going to support them through that. We're going to teach them. We're going to guide them. We're going to learn from them. And, um, and it builds. I mean, we didn't talk about resilience, but gosh, that's a big thing coming out of the NICU as parents and as kids and siblings, you know and it builds resilience, and that also um, goes back to the brain filling in the gap. So when you go through a challenging time, and if you've never been through a challenging time before, you don't know what to put in there, so you put negative stuff, but the more you get through things, and your brain says, I'm going through a challenging time, I don't know how it's going to end, but then you say, oh wait, remember I went through that other challenging time, and it was fine, or remember this happened, but we were okay, remember this happened. So everything that you're living through your brain is using for information and it's storing it away to refer to in the future as reference points. Sometimes you need to point that out to your kids too. And I have to say, one of my kids went through a difficult experience, um, about six, nine months ago. And she said to me, I'm so glad I went through a rough time two years ago Mm -hmm. because when I was going through this thing, I knew that I had been through rough times before, and I knew that I was going to be okay. It was going to be rough, right? but I knew I was
0: going you to be okay. You look at that foundation. I yeah. just had this conversation with a NICU parent the other day. I think when you go into the NICU, and especially if you have an extremely premature baby or you have a full-term baby that has significant complications and you have an extended stay in the NICU, I remember – Going into our journey, not knowing anything about the NICU, knowing that we would be there until our daughters were born, should have been born. Right. So this was November. They were due in March. Right. And I thought, how how are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. How are we going to make it through these next several months? And I was just talking to this parent about it the other day because we were talking about COVID and coming home and being on quarantine. And as NICU parents, we're familiar with what Mm -hmm. that life looks like Mm -hmm. of not being around others, having restrictions coming into your home and really being on a lockdown in a lot of different ways. But I said to this mom the other day, look what you've already done. Mm -hmm. I said, look at this chunk of time that you have made it through. If you would have looked back to March and now we're in middle of July and look what you've done. Mm -hmm. You've made it. Right. Right. And to, to be able to talk with families and help them to reflect back on all they've done so far, people don't realize it.
1: They don't because they're in it. And again, Mm -hmm. it goes back to perspective and sometimes just helping them take the step back and be like, look, look what, look what you've done. Look what you've been through. Look what you've survived. You know, the NICU, you know, going back to the beginning of this conversation is such an unusual experience. Mm -hmm. It's like another world. And even that concept of you're going to have a baby and you're going to leave it with these strangers for months while it's at its most vulnerable and you're just going to trust them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and they're going to do the right thing and they're going uh, it, to it's like amazing you know think about it; it's amazing right, right and you sign on for three months like are you kidding me <laughs> like three months right but you don't have any choice and you get through it and you I get through you know I, and I think again what you guys do and bringing people back to show them this is what happened. I mean, there's nothing as amazing as a NICU reunion. You know, Mm -hmm. when you see those kids and how they've thrived and you look at where they were and how vulnerable they were, it's amazing. It's really amazing. Thank
0: you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for
1: having me. I appreciate it.
0: Really appreciate your insight and um, grateful for your tips and, and just the conversation with us.
1: Thank you for having me. And again, I think what you're doing is wonderful. And um, just sharing yourself and your story and your experiences with other people, it's, it, it goes so far, as you know, and the people you've touched, um, it's widespread and it's life altering and and that's a sad that should be a satisfying thing i think that you really are changing people's lives and their experiences at a time again when they're so vulnerable um you really are making a difference so i congratulate you you on that
0: thank you julia where can listeners find the free
1: guide so if people want to learn more about me and what i do i have a website marciano parentcoaching.com and there's a um link there that they can get that free guide and also i'm on facebook at marciano parent coaching and twitter at marciano p coach um either of the any of those places they can find me and they can get access to that guide for how you can have self-care when you can't leave your home
0: wonderful and we'll be sharing that guide as well on our own social media channels and website great thank you